Okay, hello, hello. It's time once again for another stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I am your host, Vincent Williams, joined as always by my partner. Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And on this episode, we are going to spend some time with 1988's Action Jackson. Yes. But before we get to that, we have a, a, a bit of business, Lynn? Just yeah, so we got a little bit of business. Right. We got a little bit of feedback from everyone out there in the Twitter and social media-verse. We put out a call for listener requests um, for January. We're going to do listener requests here on the Michelle Mission. And we heard from our favorite listener of all, and that would be one Robert Monroe Robert Monroe Jr., who has asked that his listener request be Daughters of the Dust. He says that I stood online for hours in New York City to see this movie. It was one of the most incredible cinematic experiences of my life. And not just because of the film itself, but because of the community of people in line and in the theater. It was like a family reunion with a family I didn't know I had. Uh, I, I feel like that's a big show, though. Like, like I feel like that's an anniversary show. Well, I mean, we've done Purple Rain. Yeah, but Purple Rain's no Daughters of the Dust. I, I well, first of all, I've never seen the movie. Yeah, so I don't know how great, you know, how worldly significant the the film may be. But if we do it for Listener Request Month, which is January, it's the first show of the new year maybe the first show okay so that 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 helps me a little so that gives it enough like i would never want to run into julie dash and tell her like (laughs) you know we did the five heartbeats for the 50th show and we did your show we did (laughs) doors of the dust for the 54th show (laughs) but i like that you know the first the first show oh spoiler we're going to do five heartbeats for the 50th show but (laughs) (laughs) So we start the we start the year we'll off. We'll start the new year off and with Daughters of the Daughters Dust. Daughters of the Dust. Or or can we do this? Like like don't we have an anniversary coming up? It seems like we do. It's we been do almost February, a year. In February. Can we do it on our first anniversary? No, Daughters of the Dust. Doors of the Dust for our first anniversary. No, because we're doing it for listener requests month. Robert. That's Robert, that, I'm I'm speak January. I'm speaking to you from the booth. Can we do it for our first anniversary? You tell you tell us. Well, let me ask you because I've never seen the film. Yes, is this a film that's worthy of a? It first? it it it, it absolutely it absolutely is one of the finest pieces of African American cinema ever made. Truly, apps without doubt, without, without a, a doubt, without, without question, a question, with, without anything. Okay, like top five, really easily. Really? Like top of my, you know, like I'm saying top five just to sort of, you know, kind of give me some wiggle room. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you know, I start with do the right thing. And now I'm trying to think of three films that I think are better than Daughters of the Dust. And, I and just, you're hard pressed to come up. I'm, with I'm hard pressed right now. Like, like I'd have to go sit down and really think about like Daughters of the Dust really is the zenith. What, what of, year of, was that film from? Daughters of the Dust. What is that? Eighty or eighty? Like, I don't like know. Mid eighties? No, no, no. It's it's it's, it's late eighties, early nineties. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because because I cause, yeah late eighties, early nineties. What is the movie about? It is. It is set on the Gullah Islands, and it is about a family, and and it's it's about uh the the changing times of the okay. Gullah. Like it's set in the early twentieth century. Okay, and there's okay. a family, and it is it is a woman centric story mm. about this family and how they're sort of dealing with changing times, dealing with interpersonal relationships. But it is nonlinear. Mm-hmm. It is it is visually just just extraordinary. Like like what Julie Dash does with color and imagery, mm-hmm. and and you, you know, like like. I, I see I see a lot of what I like about Queen Sugar 
from Doors of the Dust. And I'm not saying that Ava DuVernay is taking directly from Doors of the Dust, they but I would say the they, they draw from the same well. Um, Eve's okay. Bayou, the same thing. And, and it, is, it, it is an extraordinary film. Like, wow. it really, really is. It was a 1991. 1990. That sounds right. Independent film written, directed, and produced by Julie, Julie Dash. Dash. That's and, right. And holds the distinction as the first feature film directed by an African-American woman distributed theatrically in the United States. Yes. Okay. I look forward to that. So, so if, Robert, if Robert gives his blessings. First anniversary. Okay, that would make me because I feel like I really do feel like you, we should acknowledge this. Like we, okay. like we shouldn't do like you know we're gonna do the fish to save Pittsburgh, and then we're gonna do Daughters of the Dust, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna do Beverly Hills Cop Two. <laughs> <laughs> so I got you. I got All you. Right. All right. So so there you go. Our first anniversary film with Robert's blessing if he give if he gives his blessing right 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 because he'd be like no nah, I want it I want it now it. Yeah, yeah you know so cuz Robert he can be a pushy yeah. pushy little listener yeah, you yeah, know what I'm saying yeah. we also uh and this is not anything that we it's not necessarily a response but there's a little image that's going around on Facebook just marveling at the cast that has been amassed for Black Panther. It's 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 crazy. Listen to this lineup for Black Panther, which stars Chadwick Boseman in the title. It's in the title role. Yes. You have, and we don't know not all of the characters have been defined, but you have Angela Bassett. Mm. Well, she's playing Ramonda. Michael B. Jordan. Rumors he's playing Manape. Danae Guerrera, that is Michonne from Yes, uh, Walk the Walking Dead. Lapita Nyong'o. I'm hoping they're playing the Dora Maje. I think Lapita's going to be playing something a little. She's probably going to have more of a significant. She might be a sister to Shuri. Yeah, I've thought about Black Panther a lot. Florence Kashumba. Okay, she may be playing. She may play one of the Dora Maje. Winston Duke, Daniel Kaluuya. And as if they needed more, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, I'm pulling for T'Chaka. No, no, no. We T'Chaka died. T'Chaka, I know T'Chaka already died. Yeah, T'Chaka already died. All right, all right. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. This that's not even taking into consideration. And directed by Ryan Coogler. Did you say that? Oh no, we did. Okay, yeah, but that's where I was going. Yeah, yeah. not even you know, not even taking into consideration that Ryan Coogler of Creed, Creed and Fruitville Station, is the director of this film, having a hand in the writing of this film. This just sounds like it's going to be a little piece of epic. Now I'm gonna just say this. I'm gonna put this out in the universe. Lynn and I have talked about this online. This is actually the very first thing we talked about. My my goal, and you know, we have people who listen, and you know, we are a degree right. or two separated from people. You know, I'm just, I ain't calling no names. I'm just saying. <laughs> right, right. I want to go to the premiere, to to the red carpet, the red carpet Chinese premiere. theater in in Hollywood, in Hollywood, California. Well, suppose the premiere is not in Hollywood. They don't. I want to go the wherever they, well, so wherever, it I, wherever it is. You want to go? I want to go. I feel I, I'm trying to. We'll put it out there, Michelle Mission, get us some tickets. We'll so it's go. not that you want to be in the city where the premiere is. No, you I want, want to go to, to the, the premiere. To see the movie, right. the premiere of Marvel's Black Panther. Right. Like I want to walk past Michael B. Jordan and think, should I go? There's Wallace. <laughs> and then say, nah, that's probably a bad idea. But I want the opportunity. You want the opportunity. To say, Shadok pointed him and go, there's Wallace. Right. And, you know, make a wire joke. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I understand. But I like the opportunity to think it. You want to be in the vicinity. Yes. For where such a thought would be appropriate. Hamilton is on everybody's mind this week. My daughter is obsessed with Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I want to be in the room where it happens. Okay. 
is what I'm saying. I feel you. So I'm gonna put that out now. Put it Comes out, out there, 2018. Yes, it you does. know, so Black Panther. Okay. We shall see. Yes. We shall see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is all of the feedback that we have. But again, I put it out to you, like we have just been mentioning, that January is Listener Request Month. So we're asking for all of you to email us at Mission at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook or and or on Twitter um, by letting us know exactly what your listener request is going to be. We want to be taking them in order. Right now, the first spot is open. Because <laughs> because, we, because I vetoed. We shifted it out. <laughs> now watch the second one be Malcolm X. And he's going to be like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you the one that said the Spike Lee stuff. No, but no. If they request it, I'm fine with All it. Right. But I'm just saying. All right. You don't, I'm you, just saying. You don't want to hold Malcolm X for like show 200? I'm just, I mean, you know. I think I'm more open to the Spike Lee stuff, except do the right thing, of course, because he has a bunch of movies. Like Julie Dash had one, like like doors. It's almost like Invisible Man. Like Ralph Ellison writes like one novel, but it's like the greatest novel written in like 50 years. True. So you know, it's like she only had you know only. There was actually a wonderful article in the um, New York Times this week about Julie Dash. Oh, really? And about how oh because her of the, career the didn't really take off the way it should have like like mm. the term black ball is not used in the article mm-hmm. but clearly like she talks in the article about how she's had um challenges getting representation and everything that has gone on and and you know was there something like grossly political about daughters of the dust i don't think I, like I don't know how 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 overtly political it is i think it is and you know we come back to this term a lot in 2016 it is unapologetically black you know and it is a dense piece they played it on pbs maybe about 10 15 years ago okay and i'll never forget they had subtitles because you know it's set in the Gullah Islands, and and you know if you know anything about the Gullah, I'd like you know they they speak, and and I don't even know if we supposed to use the term like patois anymore, but it it is very much, uh, uh there, it's difficult to understand what they're saying if you are not from this community and this culture, right? And they used subtitles when they played it on this PBS showing, and I remember being angry about that like how they gonna do them like that and had a subtitles but then it helped me understand it a little more Mm -hmm. and then i felt bad like the fact that i was reading the subtitles and understand so you know it's a very dense piece so you you know it's i I don't i don't know it's it's certainly political like that like we're not we're not gonna i'm not gonna hold your hand and tell you things so right anyway you'll see all right, I'm looking forward to it. You'll see. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, right now, right now, let's get into it. Let's get into let's it. it. All right, so you know, Action Jackson. Action Jackson. Why do they call you Action anyway? I have to catch a cab. Now I got you. He's a cop who carries no weapon. This Jackson is so vicious, we don't even let him have a gun. He's a maverick who answers to no one. You might to let boy's arm off. He had a spare. <laughs> He's a man who's no talk. I bet I can make you change your mind. And all action. How do you like your ribs? The indefatigable action jacks. <laughs> The one big fella. Some action. You haven't learned your lesson. Teach me. You sure could teach Mr. T a thing or two. So allow me to lay my healing hands upon you. When it calls for action, he's the one to call. If I was to hit you again, 
You probably slam my little body right through that wall. I was thinking about it. Carl Weathers is Action Jackson, and action is on the way. That's exactly what I was going to say. So straight from the IMDb page, Jericho Action Jackson mm-hmm. is a Detroit police sergeant who was demoted from lieutenant for almost tearing the arm off of a sexually violent sociopath, Sean Delaplane, whose father is Peter Delaplane, a major car manufacturer. But Delaplane himself is violent as well. Delaplane kills his wife Patrice by shooting her. And then he plants her body in Jackson's apartment, framing Jackson. Delaplane won't miss Patrice very much because he has a drug-addicted mistress named Sidney Ash. He keeps Sidney hooked with a free supply of heroin. Jackson suspects Delaplane of masterminding a murder spree against local officials from the auto workers union. Delaplane's mission is to gain a political power base and choose the next president of the United States. Because of what happened to Delaplane's son, Sean, Delaplane has taken a personal dislike to Jackson. Jackson gets Sidney's help in going after Delaplane. Carl Weathers is Sergeant Jericho Action Jackson. Craig T. Nelson as Peter Delaplane. Vanity as Sidney Ash. Sharon Stone as Patrice Delaplane. 1988's Jack's Action Jackson. Uh, Lynn, this was your choice. This was my choice. This was actually, um, to my surprise, my first time watching this movie okay uh when it came out in in 1988 i don't know where i was in 1988 but i don't necessarily remember but i'm i remember seeing the commercials for it sure and i knew that this was carl weathers um like kind of like uh his follow-up though he wasn't the star of but it was his follow-up from predator sure which had come out a year before Mm -hmm. which is kind of like really put him a little bit at least as far as I was concerned, the first thing that I saw that wasn't Rocky okay, with him, because Carl Weathers, you know, um, historically is Apollo Creed from the Rocky series. And when I saw Carl Weathers in Rocky, and especially in the, like the first two Rocky films, okay, right, which are arguably the best Rocky films. Yes. I thought that, wow. This dude looks like a cross section of Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Mm-hmm. Is built like a brick house. Yes, and had a bit of charisma about him, mm-hmm. which I thought went well and and shined as Apollo. You know, the movies didn't play him play fair with him you know you know hey there, there was uh diminishing returns yes. on rocky yes. after rocky too right um and thus on for apollo creed uh, for apollo creed and right. for the movie series right, itself right. but it, that notwithstanding you know i was all about it and then even though he's kind of punked in predator a bit mm-hmm. he still is cool in predator i mean predator is just this big thick, alien, rich bag of testosterone. Yes. And he is, he's filled with testosterone in there. Yes. All sweaty and it, it, afro yes. mustache. And, and they're all sweaty and in your heart you want him and Arnold Schwarzenegger to just stop denying what's true and <laughs> it's obvious. go ahead and make love to one another. Exactly. And, just, you know. Let's, let's get this jungle fever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So when they announced Action Jackson, I'm like, it makes sense. It's time for my man to shine. Right, 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 you right, right. I mean? Time for him to shine. And then I, I saw the commercials for it, mm-hmm. and I said, this just don't look good, man. Mm. I'm not going to see this movie, and I never saw it. Okay. So now, fast forward to 2016. And Predator is on TV. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I really love this movie. Yeah. I really do love Predator. You know what? And Carl Weathers is not bad in this film. I wonder why they didn't use him for Predator 
Predator too. Oh, that's why. Right, he right. died in this he, one. He died in this one. He, he actually loses his arm. <laughs> right, it's, exactly. It was exactly that scene. It's like, ah, yes, yeah, it's that's pretty why. messed up. Whatever happened with Carl Weathers? The next thing I know, in my mind right then, I'm thinking, well, he was in Happy Gilmore. There's something in between. He was, on, he was in the heat of the night, too. Was he in the heat of the night? Dog, don't please, please don't distract me. When when Howard Rollins when left he, and by left when he had his meltdown, <laughs> yes, yes, Carl Weathers came in. Oh, did he? Uh, I know this was will surprise you. I'm actually obsessed with In the Heat of the Night, the TV, the, show? T- the television show. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll bring that up a little bit later. Wow, Vince is obsessed with something random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go figure. Yes. So I'm like, there was some, there was a stop between Happy Gilmore film wise. Yes, yes, film wise. Because so, he started like the last three seasons of In the Heat of the Night. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So I'm like, so what was it? Ah, Action Jackson. Action you know Jackson. what? I've never seen Action Jackson. Yes. I've got this podcast now. Time to, to plug up Action Jackson. Yes. And, it, and I did that. And I chose it and I watched it. And now with that, I have to admit, Right here on our show, this is officially my first failure of the Michelle mission. Why is it? Because Action Jackson is not a black movie. Interesting. It is not a black movie. It's an action film. It is. With a black lead. This, I, I was wondering if you were going to go this way. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, with go a ahead. black lead. Yes. And it's uh, and the female lead is also yes African American yes yes and yet there is nothing about this movie outside of their hue yes that is distinctly black okay that that is that is historically culturally uh, black Afro-America. African American of the African diaspora, yes. outside of their of of who they are, that is it. This is not a black film. It's an action movie. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a failure along those lines for you, for me. Yes. So now, how does it rank as an action movie? Well, <laughs> it's a horrible action it's, movie. It's a horrible action movie. It's it's a very very bad movie. One of the things that the first thing, believe it or not, the first thing that's that stood out for me was this film opens up and you're spending almost 10 minutes yeah. with these two cops. Yeah. That are just riding through the city. A black cop and a white cop. Black cop and very a white important. Cop. Black cop, white cop. And they're talking this slang. Yeah. That feels like it was written for the sequel of The Monkey Hustle. Because it does not <laughs> sound like any slang that I have ever heard coming from a black person or not, let alone a white person. Right. Because right. they're trying so hard yeah. to try to sound like they're talking slang. Um in Detroit, because the film is set in Detroit. It's absolutely set in Detroit. And they noticed that some some young boy who was walking around in the dingiest, sweatiest yes. sweatshirt I have ever well, seen. Well, he was a he was an 80s movie street thug. Yes, named D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because No, no, he wasn't D. He was he, he was he was named um I don't think it was named D, because D was the barber. D was the, the, the barber that knew everything. Right, and spoken terms of D's. Exactly. Um, uh, I think it was Albert. I was about to say it's Albert. Yeah, it's Albert. Albert. It was Albert. Um, You're spending like 10 minutes with them setting up basically this this, this, – this this young boy about to rob this this woman on the street. The woman beats him up with with her purse. They go to take him in, in, and then there for whatever reason they feel the need to scare him. Yes. with the legend of Action Jackson. Action Jackson, who is this like fire breathing detective that right, loves right. eating you know young black thugs. One of the legends is that Bigfoot raped a woman. Yes, and then he was the result of the rape, which you know 
I found off-putting. Off-putting, yeah, just a <laughs> bit. Um, so, in, in just in that scene right there, which is played for comedy, it, it, yeah. And if yeah, you didn't the, know it was played for comedy, the music tells you because there is there is no, there is a, at no time in this movie, and I mean no time in this mu- movie, should you ever be lost for what. This scene is supposed to be presenting because at no time in this movie is there not any music playing right, right, to let you over know every single scene. Yeah. Every single the only time the score of the film drops out is three times. In the beginning for the 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 title it's not really the title track. But it's for the song that plays in the beginning from the from the Pointer Sisters, which I think is like you. Oh, uh, he turned me out is the name of this Pointer Sister song. Yes, he turned me he out. He turned me out is the name of the song. And then it drop the music drops out two other times so that Vanity so Vanity has two complete musical numbers. <laughs> yes, can have two complete <laughs> musical numbers in this film, which are. Yeah, um, and I can only say criminally <laughs> choreographed by Paula Abdul. Oh, now that's a nice catch. I didn't know Paula Abdul. This is the most eighties. This is the most eighties movie. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> yeah, we can stop the show right now. <laughs> that's a very nice. I did not know Paula Abdul did the choreography. You know why? Why? Because the. The choreography <laughs> is non-existent. That in this is movie fantastic. Because, and and I've gone on on the Last Dragon about what vanity means to me, <sighs> but that's because she's terrible, and she has always held this place vanity of exaltedness terrible. in my head. You must just have been looking at the in, pictures in spite of the Last Dragon. But this is because I had never seen You had never seen Action, Action Jackson. Jackson, right? right Having right. now seen Action Jackson. Right now you vanity is terrible. Oh my god. Yeah, vanity is terrible. She she rightfully won in 1988. That's right. She was awarded the um, the Razzie. The Razzie award yeah, that's for the right. worst act worst acting. Mm-hmm. In a motion picture, um, and and rightfully so. Yeah. However, as rightful as it is to give her that award, I don't think it's necessarily one hundred percent fair because vanity is at the end of the day she's vanity. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. She yeah, was yeah. in Vanity Six. She yeah. Was a, you know, she was a prince girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and she pretty much was hired for her good looks. Yes. And. Anything she gave you over that, whether it be singing, singing, dancing, talking, anything, moving, moving, walking one leg in front of the other, anything else is extra. Yes. However, Carl Weathers is a seasoned actor who has, as we have just noted, has shown that he has charisma, shown that he has chops, shown that he can deliver a line, yes. deliver dialogue. But but when asked to be the lead for everything to rest on his, admittedly, extremely well-defined shoulders. That you only see twice. You see them twice. No, I, I, no, no. You see them, he no, takes you his shirt you're off right, two right. times. I think that's important. Well, actually, he takes his shirt off one time. The other scene, we're led to believe that they took his shirt right, off. Right, right, right. There was and, no reason and, for and him. And they make sure he's chained up when yes. you see it. Yeah. Yes. It's a lot going a on lot in, this movie. in this movie. It's a man. lot going on in this movie. But you're led to believe that the brother knows how to, you know. Act. Act. Right. He is abysmal yes in this movie see this is where i disagree with you that this film is a failure for this show because i think this film is a perfect film for us to watch through a racialized lens i mean you know i think i think you and i I have that similar i think you and i have a little different definitions of what the show is like you like black film you know black film and it's this whereas in my thing almost anything could 
theoretically be a black film. Mm-hmm. You just have to read it black. Okay. Like you and I are, you know, we're, we're watching and we're the critics, dare I say, so that we are, are putting a racialized reading on a film. Right. So in theory, I would sit here, me and you could talk about Blade Runner. Like we could talk about race and Blade Runner. Ain't no black people in Blade Runner. No, there's not. In theory, although I argue that Rucker Howard and, and Daryl Hannah are, are symbolically black, but that's a different show. I see where this movie came from. Like I see, like I completely see, like the elevator pitch of Action Jackson mm-hmm. is Carl Weathers is going to be Eddie Murphy plus Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like we're basically going to make Beverly Hills Cop. Like everybody knows Beverly Hills Cop was a vehicle for, for Sylvester Stallone. Right. And then he dropped out and Eddie Murphy took over and then became Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. And I can see where people, the, you know, Joel Silver and they said, we're going to kind of do that with this. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's the 80s now. Yep. And we are we are deep into, you know, I like to put it in the context, Beverly Hills Cop came out four years before this. Right. So we are deep in Eddie Murphy as this sort of, you know, not post-racial, but kind of transracial yes. star. Yes. You know, we're deep in the 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger and everything, and, and, and Sylvester Stallone. I joked about it in Predator, but, but you know, that kind of uh, Ronald Reagan era hyper-masculinity to the point where it's like you go past hyper-masculinity and then you get into Tom of Finland territory <laughs> where it's just very homoerotic. Yeah. So, you know, you got Carl Weathers and like you said, he can be oily and, 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 and muscly and he's black. So we can kind of do the Eddie Murphy stuff too. And I think the thing short circuits because first, well, first and foremost, the Eddie Murphy stuff worked because it was Eddie Murphy. Exactly. Like, like no one else could be Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was like Prince. Like, oh, you can only do Eddie Murphy stuff with Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. So, right from the beginning, the thing's not going to work. Mm-hmm. The second thing that fascinated me about this film is the way it neuters Call Weathers. Like, it comes on, and the first thing they tell us, you know, as we said in the synopsis, you know, there's been an issue before. He lost his lieutenant stripes, yeah. and now he's a sergeant. But more importantly, they tell you in the first, you know, five to ten minutes he's on the screen, he doesn't have a gun. Yeah. So now you have an action hero in the 80s that doesn't have a gun. Right. And that's everybody's got guns. And everybody has a gun. But you took the black man's gun from him. Yeah. Second thing, this movie is an hour and 36 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And I noted it. I actually, I have it in my notes because that's where I'm in my life where I got to write down my notes. It is one hour and I think three minutes before Carl Weathers takes his shirt off. Okay. So that you, and he when he comes out the shower, at one yes. point he's in the room with Van and he comes out of the shower and, and he has a towel over his chest. Yes. But you can kind of see that, you know, he doesn't have a shirt on. So even then, this physicality that's such a part of the 80s action movie vocabulary mm-hmm. is obscure. Like you just said, you think about Predator, you think about um, you think about Terminator, you think about Running Man, you think about the Rocky movies, you think about all these movies with the, I mean, even the Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff, you want to fold that into it, where it is, it's, it's just very oily yeah. and yeah. muscly. Well, you think about it, you think about the arms. You think about the arms. Yes. You don't get that in this film. So an hour in, you get this obscured shot of him without a shirt. An hour and 15 minutes and 20 minutes before the movie goes off, mm-hmm. his shirt is off completely. But as we said, he's chained up. Yeah. So it actually surrounded reads, by white guys surrounded by white guys. So it almost reads like slavery imagery. Yeah. He's completely chased in this film. He kisses vanity. Oh, at one fifteen. So I think he was chained up at maybe 120, 125. He kisses her at 115. He doesn't have sex with anyone in this whole film. No, he does not. There, there are no women sort of, you you know, they, they kind of play with it for like 15 seconds mm-hmm. that Sharon Stone is sort of interested. But you already know that's not going to happen. No, that's not new. So no, 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 no. 
And this is a pre. Let's just put it out there. This is Sharon Stone before she's Sharon Stone. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you have Anytime that. You get, you get, you get <laughs> your credit is under vanity. Your credit is under vanity this is before. Yes, you, you become yes. who you are. So that is that is really interesting to me. But couldn't it be? Couldn't the argument also be though? Just playing devil's advocate. Okay. Couldn't the argument be that? Because of how of how even then Hollywood and and white people sometimes were uh, were criticized for o- overly sexualizing the black man mm-hmm. at times. Could it not be that those things that you're talking about in this film? Are trying to be an answer to that? Not at all. Not, there, not to, there's to, there's absolutely no way I grant the writer of of this who then went on to write the Demolition Man. <laughs> I grant him that level of sensitivity or nuance, especially when you look at other aspects of this film, where you know you have you know this this group of assassins who are ninja. I call them um, ninja flock of seagulls in the black guy. Didn't they? Didn't you just kept waiting for like a drum kit to show right, up? Right, right. So you know you've got them. You've yes. got you, you know you've got this sort of uh, vanity is is hooked on the heroin that she sticks into her her thigh. Like this is not a film where anybody has any type Damn. of sitting back and saying, Fair enough. you know, oftentimes the black male body is too fetish size and we're not going to this is contribute to that. And we're going, no, no, not this. I think true enough. I think again, it is, it, it is this kind of hiccup. And to your point of it, not being a black film. And like I said, I kind of put this post Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. as Eddie Murphy it is amazing to me how the film goes out of its way to not acknowledge race. Yeah. They acknowledge race one time, which I actually wrote my notes. Oh, that actually sounds like a pretty good plan. Where where one of the like I said, there there's there's this group of they call them the Invisible Men yeah, because they are an amazing group of assassins and and just sort of operatives. I called them Ninja Flock of Seagulls because they all look like 80s dudes with like, you know, feathered um, hair, feathered hair and mullets. And yet they've all been they, they, they've all studied the art of ninjutsu like they use arrows and they can disappear at will and throwing stars and butterfly knives. And then there's a black guy. So I was calling it Ninja Flock of Seagulls and the black guy or. The black guy in Ninja Flock of Seagulls. Like, I couldn't figure out who should get top billing. Mm. But then I was thinking, like, Ninja Flock of Seagulls and the black guy. Like, Hootie and the Blowfish. Well, maybe it was, Where, like, Darius Rucker is the Blowfish. Or maybe they were um, uh, Ninja Flock of Seagulls and Robert Preston's baby brother. Robert Preston's baby. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Because but- uh, Robert Preston is, like, quote, unquote, the fifth beetle. Oh, I thought that was Bi- oh Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Right, right. Billy Preston. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were about to tell me something. Joke ruined. Right, right. <laughs> or I thought you were talking about the Eddie Murphy skit. Where he's oh, talking, where yeah. Clarence. I thought you were talking about Clarence. If only I were. <laughs> hey Paul, let's get Clarence out of the band and steal all of his good ideas. There's a that's a, now that's a deep cut. That's deep. <laughs> Oh man, she got a ticket to ride, and the bitch don't care. <laughs> For our younger listeners, look that up. Eddie Murphy skit, Clarence, the Fifth Beetle. Yes, from Saturday Night Live. Anyway, Craig T. Nelson says that he's going to frame Action Jackson by having the black guy pretend to be him and wear his clothes. And he says, you know, the kind of people that I hang out with, all of y'all look alike. Anyway, yeah. and yeah. I said, "Oh, he's talking about race." Yeah, yeah. Which again is so '80s, so kind of post Eddie Murphy this moment. So, you know, I think it's a black film because it doesn't talk about the because black. it doesn't. It talk very about consciously doesn't talk about it. Yeah, well, I I don't agree with that assessment. Okay, I mean, there, but but 
there are some that will grant you that it's a black film just because it's you know it's Carl Weathers starring in it. Right, 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 you know? right. But um, I still I I don't see it as a black film, and I think that um, uh, you know it's fine not being a black film, but. Let's say I was going to agree with you and give it a ranking of a black film. Okay. I have another argument too, but go ahead. No, go ahead. What's your other argument? I think because you know my, you know, I, I mentioned this last week where I actually say that this is the last black exploitation film, and this I disagree is, with this. You. Is the last gasp? Uh, I think there are three last gasp of the black exploitation films. Yes. I think Penitentiary in 1979 is like the last true kind of the grittiness that we think of when we think about a black exploitation film and because it got cleaned up in penitentiary two okay right 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 once you get to penitentiary two and penitentiary three it now becomes an 80s thing yes but penitentiary is sort of that grittiness very and kind of dirty sexiness that we think of yeah so i think i say that you know i talked about it before where i think the last dragon in um 85 is part of the the last gasp of the black exploitation because I think the last dragon is aimed towards a black audience yes. and a black exploitation audience. Yes. And then this is 1988 and to me this is the film that completely closes the door because it fits into the tradition of the black action film mm-hmm. with the you, you know the ex athlete and you kind of put him, like he's very much in the tradition of Fred Williamson and Jim Brown and all of these people that made these films but again everything that made the black exploitation era exciting and vibrant Eddie Murphy channels it into the Eddie Murphy stuff yes and then everything else has sort of been stripped away. So this really is sort of like, you you know, it's, it's like the last little bit of meat on the carcass. See, and, and I, I and then and then that. after this it's sort of gone, like, like, you know, you, you know, you, as far as a theatrical release, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you could argue that, you know, like those Billy Blanks movies sort of take it a different way in this. But but like to me, this is it right like like action jackson turns off the lights and closes the door see i would argue that the the last dragon actually is in fact the last black exploitation film eddie murphy's beverly hills cop um is truly the reason i think that is what shuts the door okay i think that's what shuts the door on it and then this thing <laughs> this i think this is more in answer to what eddie murphy was doing all of the all all of the the elements of what made black exploitation even uh exciting or vibrant or vital that, as you say, are stripped out of this film. Right. But I don't think, I honestly don't believe that there was any intention for it to be there. Right, right. And, and because of that, that's why I don't think that this is a black exploitation film. Now, I know that, you know, in, in looking on, um, researching this you know carl weathers he talks about he had this idea for the for this character more right so than, right more right, so right. story right and approached joel silver because joel silver had worked on predator and joel's you know that joel silver liked black exploitation films mm-hmm. and figured like this might be able to you know as a selling point right. and the director um craig uh baxley was was the stunts director on yes. predator yes he was the stunt director on, on there and of course bill duke was in Predator. So, you know, bring Bill Duke around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and and while Joe Silver made love black exploitation films, Joe Silver, first and foremost, loves money. Yes. He loves a dollar. And I suspect cocaine in, at this moment. Perhaps. I suspect. I don't know that for sure. You know, just England. But he, first and foremost, he loves a dollar. Mm-hmm. So he sees, hey, I got Carl Weathers coming off of a hit movie in Predator. He's freaking Apollo Creed. He is. So, um, and and it can be argued 
1988 that if there is going to be another black man leading a movie that to follow in the wake of Beverly Hills Cop, right? Then why not Carl Weathers? Because who else? You're still a few years before Wesley Snipes, right? No, no, no. I completely get it. You know, again, I think I, I, I think that was the elevator pitch. Yeah, like you know, Sylvester Stallone actually makes Beverly Hills Cop, but a black Sylvester Stallone. Right. So, but but that's why I don't. Think you don't right. I don't. I don't buy the black exploitation. You know, I think that's. I, I can't really refute that. Like I just again, I kind of put him in that tradition of Jim Brown. No, Fred it, Williams, and it's a shame because um, if Bernie the film, Casey. You know, all of them dudes. If the film was made from that aesthetic, yeah, it would. I think it would have gotten over. Right. Because I, like I say, the proof is in the pudding. The music in this movie is so freaking. Un- First of all, dude, it's, it's that the 80s. horrible. It's the eighties. Eighties. It's the, how you gonna be mad at an eighties movie for having eighties music? I'm not mad at it for having eighties music, even though that those those. I mean, the point is, is songs the point is, did the music was, was that in Beverly Hills Cop or Beverly Hills Two that they had the theme song? I think it was in. Um, Oh wow! I think I think that wasn't something, something, something. Pointer Sisters, and it's the Pointer Sisters, and Eddie Murphy's doing some stuff, and it's the Pointer Sisters. Something, 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 something. And then it's Neutron Dance. The Neutron Dance. The neutron Dance. Yeah. You know what? That may have been the second one. Is that a, I'm doing, that that have, doing a Neutron Dance. That may be the second do, one. Do, I, do, something tells me that's This not, ain't really a song, but it's the 80s. <laughs> do, 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 do. We're all doing so much cocaine. Do, 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 do. Cocaine makes us really excited about things. No, okay. It was the first one. It was it's the first, first one. one. Neutron Dance is... Um, is uh 1983. Right. So is he turned me out really that much worse than the neutron dance? We got on fun wigs and we're jumping around. Okay, all right. Get okay. Off the point. It's all right. <laughs> because cuz it's worse than the neutron dance, but it's the best song in this in this movie cuz like vanity the whatever. Um can we talk about Craig T. No. <laughs> oh, the notes I have about Craig T. Nelson. I'll just read one where I have okay, period. Craig T. Nelson also knows karate, period. <laughs> Yet again. Parenthetically, I bet this is going to come back up later in the film. Of course. <laughs> Of course, especially when you see not only does he know karate, yes, but he's the baddest karate. Craig T. Nelson, coach from ABC's beloved uh, middle sitcom. brow sitcom coach, yes, is and a karate man. Is roundhouse kicking with no honor. He's a karate man with no honor. No honor, because he broke his sensei's arm. No, it's not no honor because he broke his sensei's arm. He kicked him in the nose with <laughs> with his back. To him. I did. Actually, that was my other. I said, "Karate Craig T. Nelson has no honor." He was dropping roundhouse kicks to the back of my man's head. You know what? If he was in Cobra Kai, he would have swept the leg, and he wouldn't have thought nothing else about it. Yes, you're darn right. He sure would have. Um, but can we also talk about? What was that? What was his hair? <laughs> it was like that white. It was that bad guy white. Like That's like the, what it the was. bad guys in the eighties had because like the bad yes. guy in like um com, not Commando one of the movies one of those like Cobra or one of like it's oh it's that it's that Euro trash bad exactly. guy haircut. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Come on, dog. You speak fluent 80s. You know how that works. That is what it was. It, but it was disturbing. Yes. It was very disturbing. He was a bad guy. Oh, he... Well, he was a bad guy. He does have the best line in this movie. Which one? When, when Vanity yes. finished singing her song. Yes. And walks up on him. 
And and what is and Vanity says, I'll set you up. Vanity says, I was expecting a standing ovation. And he's sitting at the table and he says, I am giving you a standing ovation. And I put in my notes, oh, he's talking about his penis. <laughs> Evil Craig T. Nelson is fully erect looking at vanity. <laughs> That's in my notes as well. That wasn't the best line in the movie. I, I, I do have to say, I audibly laughed then at he, that moment. Then he took it in the back room and pulled out like a tennis bracelet a box, like a fancy jewelry box, and he said, and I hear that this is a girl's best, best friend. And then he opens it up, and it's heroin. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> But it's not heroin. <laughs> what this is, is a horse needle. <laughs> that, because it's, it's literally luggage that he opens up. <laughs> it takes, takes this, this, this needle out with two hands. You know what? And we talked about this with Ray Don Chung. I do enjoy enjoy bad actors acting like they're addicted to drugs like i actually put my notes i find junkie vanity strangely endearing what was she doing at one point she said that she left her purse and she needed her purse and i put just like debbie allen that episode of good times (laughs) (laughs) jj i need my purse you know, Vanity was sitting in the room. She had like some bifocals on the tip of her nose, watching that episode of Good Times, taking notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Practicing her readings. Yes. I mean, there is. Um, I I don't want to harp on harp on Vanity. However, Vanity, she she she's a star by this point. Oh no, no! I think this. Yes, she's a star by this moment in time. Yet, <laughs> the writing's on the wall because Sharon Stone has maybe three scenes in this movie. Yeah. And she steals she, she, every one of them. Sharon Stone is better than everyone in this film by far. However, she's better by, by everybody in this film. And I don't think Sharon Stone's the world's greatest right. actress. But compared to Craig T. Nelson, Carl Weathers, and Vanity she's she's Meryl Streep right right however I did find I wonder if you you peep this so Craig T. Nelson he goes back to I guess Vanity's apartment or maybe it's the 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 the, the green room or wherever yes. uh, where she's of club elite yes where she's um, dancing uh, singing her songs or whatever and her and um, Craig T. Nelson are about to get it on yes and and uh Craig T. Nelson says, well, something about, like, you know, well, I'm sure you've got, like, two reasons, you know, for me to... Yes, yes, money. yes. At which point, Vanity takes off her clothes. Yes. And th- there's that weird, disgusting 70s, 80s m- music, yes. you know, bad guy music playing over this. Right. But it's a very, very, it's a very washed out scene. Mm-hmm. She's not shown to be in any type of, like... um they're not playing up her nudity. She, right. It's it's almost incidental. Right, right, that right. She's taking off her clothes. Yes. Right. Now, mm-hmm. cut to Sharon Stone, who you see in a shower scene. It's steamy. It's steamy. There's there's eighties music, but there's the the eighties equivalent of sexy, seductive. It's like a winger video. You are in my head, mm-hmm. dude. That's exactly yeah. what I thought. Yeah. From the steam on it, the, it, the steam mirrors. Yeah. And you know, she's 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 very romanticized yes. in her nudity. Yes. As opposed to vanity yes. in hers. And considering that Sharon Stone is, you know, she's fourth build in this movie. Yeah. So under vanity. Basically has three roles, three scenes, yeah, yeah, of any significance in this film, um, and none of them require for her to be nude. Yes, that was a very uh, just a you know tacked on scene. Yes, it is. It's just to get her out of her clothes, right? 
I thought that that was very telling from a racial racial point of view, the juxtaposition against the nudity that they um, presented for vanity. And I, that really I stood out with me. I, I mean, and I agree. It, it, and, and it had bothered me not long because I was already pissed at this film. Right, right, right. But it, def- it definitely, it, it, I definitely bumped up against that. <laughs> Dude, the, the- the racial politics of these, I mean, we, you know, we, we actually should probably start wrapping this up. Okay. You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. The racial politics of the Rocky movies. Yeah. Like when you look at the journey where, like you said, Carl Weathers is actually this this complex, nuanced Muhammad Ali character in Rocky. Mm-hmm. To when he is sort of demoted to the black best friend slash homoerotic love interests slash you know he gets fridged so that rocky can get revenge yeah by rocky four is ridiculous but i think it's the 80s which is why you know again i disagree with you i think that this is a black film i think that this fits in the history of black cinema Mm -hmm. and and you know again this is at a moment where you have all of this going on right here Mm-hmm. Next to it, you've got Eddie Murphy making this, you know, again, sort of transracial, but kind of very specifically racialized work that he does. Right. And not for nothing, She's Gotta Have It came out two years before this. Wow, did it? So Spike 86? Lee, 86 is when She's Gotta Have It comes out. Crazy. That's so crazy. Spike Lee is revving up and you're about to move into this whole black pack period. Yeah. So, you know, I do think that the work of, of people like Carl Weathers and, you know, I joked before about Billy Blanks, but, you know, this is a part of the conversation. There you go. So. All right. Uh, the last, which, last thing I'm going to say. All right. Believe it or not, this now has taken its place as the worst film that I've seen on the Michelle Mission. Vanity is in both of them. Vanity, maybe. Yeah, vanity equals bad movie. I mean, it's a bad movie, but this is you. You know how you can always tell that I think a movie is bad because I talk about all the other stuff around the movie. You too. Then the movie itself. <laughs> I, I, no, like, I like that's how you tell Vince thinks it's a bad movie because I just talk about all the other stuff. Let's talk about eighty-eight. Yeah. So. What was going on in April? <laughs> right. <laughs> The neutering <laughs> and subconscious response to the over fetishization okay, of white down. society. We gotta shut it down. This is a radio show now. We gotta stay <laughs> okay. under hour. All right. So you would not recommend this? Hell no. No. All right. Do not waste your time with Action Jackson. All right. Well, there you have it. <laughs> I can't even go to I wouldn't recommend it either. Unless you're in the film. Like, unless you're actually studying black film, like the history of black film, then you know. Unless Carl Weathers is coming over. Right. Then right, you know, right, you may want right. to. Although, I think you can get everything you need from this out of Predator. There you go. But then you get to watch Predator. Amen. So there you go. All right. So there you go. All right. Do you have your film for next week? You know what? I do. I mean, we should have done it this week since Thanksgiving is um, Thursday. But I've been thinking about soul food. Okay. So let's do soul food next week. Let's do soul food. Let's do soul food. I'm looking forward to that. All right. That'll be fun next week on the Michelle Mission, which you can find on MichelleMission.com iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and every place the good podcasts be, including the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. However, what you won't find on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, if you look in your feed come Thursday morning, yes, that's right, in time for the holidays, it will be the inaugural podcast of our new monthly podcast, The Binge Lounge, where me and Vince talk TV and other assorted nonsense. That's right. The Binge Lounge coming your way on MichelleMission.com this Thursday. I'm Len. He's Vince. And parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.